Today's podcast is brought to you by Sony XM3's industry-leading noise-canceling headphones. Less noise, more creating. Guys, these headphones are absolutely incredible. I've been using them for about three years now since the XM2s. And these headphones are seriously a game changer. No matter where you go, you are in 100% complete control of your environment. You can transform them with the click of a button. Noise canceling on. Ah, I love it when she says that. Anywho, these headphones have 30 hours of battery life. The party never stops. Find your creative flow with the Sony XM3s. What's up, world, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince, and today's guest is the ambivert, more introverted than extroverted, but with extraordinary well-developed baking skills. He's on a quest to be a modern-day renaissance man, a goal he tackles one day at a time. His photographs are known around the internet, and he has worked with some amazing brands like Sony, Nike, Don Julio Tequila, Spotify, Interscope, and so many more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. One of my favorite people to chat with, my boy, Jose Silva. Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel like I need like a, a crazy rock riff to come out and I need like fog to come into the ring. Ah, that is the best intro anyone's ever given me. Thank let's, you very much. Let's go, bro. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm so honored and uh, grateful to have you on the show today. Why don't you start us off with giving us a little bit of background on yourself, bro? Uh, yeah, likewise. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. This is something I've always wanted. Anytime I see you, I'm like, I, I need to get on this podcast, man. Please, please. <laughs> So, yeah, thank you. Uh, Let's see. My name is Jose Silva. The JN, everyone asks me what the JN stands for, and uh, it stands for Nicholas. It's my middle name. And the reason I have JN Silva is because I'm named after my grandfather. And he was a writer, philosopher, author, and he would sign all his poems JN Silva, you know, in, in, in Venezuela. And Growing up, my family was always just, you know, in Spanish, J-N, 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 which is J-N. So that's what my, my family, all my close friends call me that. And uh, when it came time to make a name, I was like, you know, how, what am I going to go with? And I'm, you know, let me just pay homage to my grandfather and, you know, do J-N Silva. Damn. So that's where that comes from. Yeah, yep. I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. I lived there until I was uh, 11 years old. And then I moved to West New York, New Jersey which is where I still am today. I've been in this little town for 20 some odd years. And uh, yeah, I picked up photography in high school. And uh, the reason I picked it up was because when I moved here, we left all of our photos back home. We kind of just came with like, you know, a classic story, just one suitcase, all our belongings. I didn't even know I was coming to stay, honestly. I thought I was coming on vacation. <laughs> so we left all, all our photos there. And after a few years of realizing I didn't have any photos of me, you know, before being here, really, I was an only child. My mom married again. I had a little sister. And I was like, wow, you know, like I need my little sister to have her life documented properly since I don't have any. And just happened to have a, a camera laying around. And I was like, all right, let's go. And started taking pictures of her. Got a little brother started taking pictures of him and i think you know they say like your your first what ten thousand photos are your worst ones or something like that yeah my first ten thousand photos are a hundred percent of my little brother and sister you know <laughs> growing up so uh it's a lot of cool photos there but yeah after that went to school college for 
language arts and philosophy and a minor in ancient and medieval civilizations, mm -hmm. which is amazing. A lot of knowledge there, a lot of really cool history of the world. Not a lot of practical things that you can do in the real world with that, aside from teaching philosophy, which was what I originally wanted to do. From there, I transitioned into ed education for a little while, worked in high school education for about four years. All this time, I was still doing photography on the side, you know, kind of just getting paid for whatever anyone wanted me to, to shoot for them. And eventually, I was able to transition and do that, you know, photography full time. And now I've been a full-time photographer for six years. So yeah. a journey. I think I think that's a pretty encapsulated, fast version of my life, I think. Dude, yes. I, I love your background. It's so – it's just – it's a story you don't hear every day. And for you to come over as a first-generation immigrant and to be doing what you're doing now and rocking it and killing it and – just blessing so many people with your energy and vibe, man. It's just, it's beautiful. I love it. The first time I met you was that, I think the first time I met you was in Vegas. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, absolutely. That I'm was just rolling around downtown. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was so cool. That was, that was when I was like, wow, Instagram. <laughs> like one of those moments where you're just like doing something, you know, in another city, like middle of the night. I remember it was like midnight, like one in the morning, just walking around. Yeah. I remember I was with uh, Jason Peterson. He was like ready to fly his drone, and we just like ran into. You were, are you Jay Silver? Are you Jason Peterson? <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm like, oh, we're the artificials guys. We're like, oh, what? It's so cool. <laughs> that was so. That was so random. That was such such an interesting. I feel like that was like Instagram at its like weird weird peak, where like everyone just like kind of like got big and was a little like didn't really necessarily like I don't know. It was different. You know, there was that small window where IG, everyone was kind of on their highs for a minute, like, oh, wow. Like, and then I feel like we all relaxed. And I feel like when I, when I met you, I feel like it was kind of like during that time, I just remember everyone, like, it was like, all like, what up, what up? But everyone was like slightly standoff. It was like a duel. Everyone was like kind of looking at each other. Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> but bro, oh man, I've gotten to connect with you so many times, uh, New York, I see, I feel like I see you in New York City all the time now, which is really awesome to just be able to see you more and, and chat with you more. I see you rocking the creator shirt, baby. Let's go. Oh, you have to be ready. Let's go. I'm a I love this thing. Yeah. Hell yeah, baby. Let's talk about your photography. So you dabble in all types of photography. Uh, I chat with obviously lots of different people on the podcast and you know, First of all, everyone has an as a, a perspective, right? And that's what makes us unique as as creators and as people and, and especially anyone that calls themselves an influencer. The whole point of being an influencer mm. is having something to say, right? Having a point of view, a perspective. And a lot of people's perspective on photography is like you should specialize in one thing. Like you should be the you should get really good at portraits and that's all you shoot, or you should shoot mm. this or shoot that, which I don't necessarily believe with, but I enjoy you because you found great success and you dabble in all types of photography. So what advice would you give to like a young person getting into photography? Do you think, you know, now that you've been in the space, do you think it's better to just have fun and, and dabble in a little bit of everything or to kind of niche down and, and have a specific subject that you shoot? Well, I think like with everything, it goes down to every individual person. And I know some people that are, you know, 
extremely happy just they find their one thing that they love shooting and they go for it and it brings them joy and you know they feel fulfilled shooting this one subject and they get amazing success at it and it works for them personally photography was a way for me to really learn how to observe the world around me and really pay attention that's that's always when someone tells me you know what, what advice will you give because i'm starting out and i'm like it's pay attention really when you're walking around just be in the moment and pay attention to all the things going on around you you know before i got into photography and even now if i have you know things going on in my mind i can walk a whole mile with my headphones on zoned out and then uh, you know you get there and you're like oh like what, what just happened like how did i get here you know like i know i walked but I, you don't really see anything but when you really like take the time and you know headphones off and just walk around and listen and look around and you'll notice so many things and photography was a way for me to really pay attention and observe the thing around uh, around me and like my bio said I, I was super introverted super shy my whole life and it was one of those things that instead of talking, I'd rather be, you know, kind of in the corner looking at seeing what happens. So I was always very observant. And once I got a camera in my hand, I was like, well, now I can capture what I see and the way I see things. And because of that, you know, it's kind of just like an extension of myself now. Like I, I, I'm barely anywhere without a camera. I mean, obviously I always have my phone on me, but also any little camera point and shoot and just things are interesting. I just grab it. I also have really bad memory. So photography is just a way for me to remember things and kind of catalog things, you know? Right. So that's why I always have my camera on me. And, you know, if I'm out, I'll, I'll shoot street. If I see someone really cool, I'll ask them for a portrait. Obviously music is my, probably my biggest passion. So I love shooting that. And, you know, it's kind of just, if I'm doing something cool, why not have my camera and why not capture it and kind of like have that keepsake for me to remember or to show, you know? Yep. Uh, and I think that's one thing that people miss out on if they're only, focused on one thing now when it comes to the social media that's a different conversation of whether you know because whatever you shoot all the things but you don't share them and you share your one specific niche and to that i say i think you're robbing the world of your perspective in other you know places i love it i love that how do you how do you get into your flow when you're out shooting how do you enter that that flow state for me i think it's music man like before any shoot, before anything, I always just have music. I have kind of like playlists that relax me, that bring me to, you know, a specific mind frame. And then I have other playlists that just get me amped up. Like if I'm nervous, I have things that soothe me. It's kind of just my, my way to quiet the inner dialogue. Uh, aside from that, kind of just going through the things. I mean, I've been doing it for long enough that I don't really get the jitters that much anymore. I mean, there are shoots that are huge and, you know, big, and I kind of try to block all that out. And it's just like, you know what? I got this. I've done this before. I, I know I'm going to give it my best, whatever happens, you know, I, I'll do it the best of it to, to my control and whatever I can control, then there's nothing I can do about it. So I love that. Do you, do you bump your, uh, I see you got them Sony's on those XM threes, baby, them noise canceling XM threes. Uh, <laughs> I don't go anywhere without these things. I love them. <laughs> Do you walk around and, and shoot in those? Like when you're just chilling and doing your thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have them all the time. And it's funny because there are times that I'll listen to music and shoot. And then there are times that I choose not to do it and kind of let the sounds of the street di dictate the, what I'm shooting. And I definitely see a difference in like 
the mood of the photos or the style of the photos that I shoot, depending on the music that I'm listening to, one, and depending on the sounds. Because, you know, if, if you're just listening to the sounds in New York, for example, you just catch so many other conversations and, and things and little tidbits of things that kind of like, you know, make you point your camera the other way that you don't really catch when you're listening to music. Uh what is it that you love about concert photography specifically? Man, I mean, music, like I said, it's just, it's my biggest inspiration. And, you know, being an introvert and, you know, music was the one thing that I could just always rely on to get perspectives and, you know, studying language arts. I started to really look at lyrics and, you know, all the great lyrics of our time. And, you know, for me, musicians are just poets that are, you know, putting sounds to their poetry. Yes, sir. And it's it just changed so many things for me. So for me, being able to be so close to all these people that I, I think are just incredible artists and, you know, capturing their creative output and, and making it, you know, the best that I can make it. It's kind of like a one and homage to them. But then in my mind, it's like, you know, future generations, like when I, when I'm here and I look at the great, like Led Zeppelin photos or the Beatles photos or all these photos on the performances, I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at these, these guys, these guys in their prime or, you know, these artists, Janis Joplin, whoever, you know, there's so many things. And when I'm in the pit, that's kind of how I think about it. I'm like, wow, I'm capturing all these, like the world's best artists, like, you know, in their prime, doing yeah. what they do best. And it's kind of like my job to, portray them as as best i can you know so it's kind of like a mutual creative thing going on there so that's why i really love it dude i dig that have you have you ever thought about doing like a larger music project like maybe like a uh views from the pit like a book or or uh oh a yeah for sure that's, or that's, anything? that's the goal that's the goal for sure i have a, a little thing coming up with sony actually a little gallery of my music photos so that should be very cool but i have so many man and they, they called me they were like you know we, we need to get this up really fast you have like three days to pick photos and send us and i was like what like i have hundreds of thousands of photos how am i gonna and i i was here in my house just cataloging all my hard drives because they're a mess and just looking through all these things and, and you know i'm grateful to be busy enough that i don't really have much time to go back and look through all the things that i shoot all the time so looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, I shoot, <laughs> I shoot a lot. I have so many photos. I have photos that I've forgotten about. I have concerts that I've forgotten about. I was like, what? I saw, you know, I, I found this folder from 2012, 2013, and it was a, a Roots holiday party here in, in New York and Brooklyn Bowl. Uh-huh. And I have photos of Gary Clark Jr. performing bright lights before it was even out. And I remember like seeing him and like, I forgot that I had photos of that. And it was like, I remember I was shooting the roots and it was like all these classic, you know, like Farrow Munch and uh, wow. all these legends, you know, rap legends. And they're like, Oh, we're going to take a break and, you know, bring out you guy, Gary Clark Jr. And I started, I remember I started to walk away and I hear like, I'm, I'm halfway out essentially to, to go get a drink. And I hear this guitar riff come on and I'm like, Whoa, what is going on? Who's this? And I turn around, it's this guy. I've never seen him before. He's just rocking the guitar. It's like, oh, I got to get back there. And I have all these photos of Gary Clark when he was just like, you know, starting out essentially. And I have so many things like that where I was like, I don't even remember shooting that. That's uh, inc- and, and yeah, looking back, it's just, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Dude, that's incredible. How do you, it's, it's actually funny that we're, we're talking about this. You, you, Sony reached out for you to do a gallery event and someone like you that has, 
you know, probably hundreds of thousands of photos over the last decade. Like, <laughs> how do you catalog that? You know what I mean? Like when someone like, is everything just kind of like in master folders somewhere or like if someone like, like how they hit you up with music, did you have like a updated music portfolio that you just kind of, I've never really thought about that being a challenge, but now that I'm hearing the situation, like that could be a big challenge. Like, Oh, it's huge. I, I'm extremely disorganized and I, I'm a, a chaotic mess on the outside. I feel like in my mind, I'm, I'm good and I understand the chaos, but especially starting out, I, you know, I never had money for like big drives or, you know, ways to back up my stuff. So my first few years, just like smaller hard drives that were backed up into other hard drives. And then I would switch computers and I would back up one whole computer into one drive and then, I got a RAID drive, so I would back up that one drive into the RAID drive. And now I have just one master Lightroom catalog. And maybe for the past like five, six years, it's pretty good. Once I, I made the switch to, you know, do it professionally and I have it by dates. But before that, it's the Wild West. And, you know, I found one hard drive and one, you know, embedded within a Lightroom folder uh -huh. that had like five years of stuff. And it was just called like G drive old. That was the name of the folder. And I opened it and it was just like five years of photos that I had, hadn't seen in such a long time. I was like, whoa, what's this? And then within one of those folders were just like three years of other photos. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was like, it's overwhelming, but it's, it's cool to, to look back on all these things. That's crazy. And to see how much, how many photos I've really shot. So I want to leave AI photo catalog. I'm going to leave a note because I want to talk to you oh, about technology geez. a little bit, but I think yeah, that could be like, think about that. AI just sweeps through your hundred thousand photos and picks what it believes is the portfolio and just like, can at least get you a bulk of your work out and quick. And we got, yeah. Anywho, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into what those possibilities could look like. Cause that could be yeah, awesome. That could be that aside. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when that happened on Instagram had that weird glitch? And people were logging on, and instead of seeing the photos, they would see the, the text of how the machine was interpreting the photo. Yeah. You ever hear about that? Yeah. But it was like one person, landscape, wide. And then the other one would be like, you know, water, blah, blah, blah. And it was, you would read how the algorithm was looking at the photo and how the machine was interpreting each thing. So yep. it's out there. It do, for just sure. <laughs> we just need it for us <laughs> not for yeah, please to, to sweep my hard drives <laughs> <laughs> bro trust me i'm in the same boat <laughs> the best yeah. is the best though it is kind of like finding money in your pocket when you find a fire ass old photo especially oh if you got the God. raw especially if you got the raw stone you're like oh i can re-edit yeah, <laughs> oh man i don't know I don't know if it's only me, but like looking back at all of these, I was like, wow, I used to be so good. I was like, <laughs> I was nice for, for a little while. And I'm looking at my recent stuff. I'm like, what happened here? I, was, <laughs> I don't know. Some of my older stuff that I come across, I'm like, I, I think it's, I was having a talk with a friend. I think it's when you start out, you're a lot more curious about your style. And you, so you experiment a lot more because you don't really know what you like. Right. So you take a lot more risks and, you know, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't, but when it pays off, it's like, wow, you tried something completely new and it paid off. Whereas like now with a few years of experience, I kind of know what I like. I, I kind of, you know, right. I, I know what works. I know what doesn't. So I don't take as many risks. And I think that that's what I need to 
kind of focus on just taking bigger risks because looking at some of the most older photos, I was like, I don't know what assessment <laughs> that way, but it worked. It was like, wow, it looked really cool. Do you think it's risk or do you think it's more or less like that childlike play mentality? Like you were just playing a lot yeah, more but, back then. And so therefore like sure. you were just experimenting and just trying other things to wear. Now I feel like, and that goes for anyone, like as you get older or more mature in a space, you tend to take things or yourself even, you know, more seriously. I know I do. And I'm always trying to remind myself like, dude, stop it. Go back to the kid. Like screw. I hate older prints. Go back to the kid. The kid is the bad. He's the, he's the cool one. <laughs> For sure. You got to stay curious. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's exactly it. You're more curious, curious starting out. And you know, everything I remember when I first got a camera, I would just, I couldn't take three steps without taking a photo. I'd be like, Whoa, a hydrant. And everybody has that photo, fire hydrant. And they're like, whoa, a bench. Take a photo of the bench. <laughs> like, take photos of everything. And then, you know, you have a lot of failures. But then when, when you hit it, it's like, whoa, this is cool. This is different. You're like, fire, fire hydrant in left third, person walking in right third. <laughs> yeah. Sunset. Third out. <laughs> Three-point perspective. This is a banger. <laughs> yeah. Looking back at the photo that, you know, I have photos that I remember when I first shot them. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then looking back, it was like literally just a bench with someone sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at the time, that was amazing. Really cool. What are what are three uh, three tips you would give to someone that wants to get into concert photography specifically? The first tip is go to music shows and you know see which shows uh, allow you to bring a camera in and uh, just live music. Everyone's like, oh, you know, but I can't take my camera into the festival or I can't take it in here. I'm like, man, I go to a lot of music shows like that I pay for, you know, not not that I'm getting paid to shoot or I just I love live music. So anytime there's live music anywhere and, and I'm free, I'm like, yeah, let's go there. And a lot of times you can bring your camera, even if it's a point and shoot and just kind of like start getting used to working under that environment because it's, you know, it's low light almost always. It's a lot of movement. Uh so first tip is just go to a lot of live shows, bring your camera, start to develop a portfolio. From there, um, I don't know if I said this, but you got to sneak your camera to, to some of these places, man. I remember, dude, the things I used to do to get my cameras into festivals, uh, dude, it was like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> it was like, I remember I used to tell Giselle, like, all right, you're going to take this lens. My friend would take a battery. I would take the body. And it would just break my camera into like different pieces and take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know have friends throw it over the fence just all these things and once you have your camera in there then just really really go for it and, and try to shoot as if you were hired to for the festival and then third is just you know reach out reach out to to the festival organizers the artists to the brands doing the installations it's, it's always that first you know who's going to give you that first chance and, and then that's the, the biggest challenge, I think, once you have a portfolio. Once, once your work is good, the first step is getting your work to be on that level. And I think that comes from going to the live shows and, you know, practicing and, and doing all these things. The second step is getting that first chance. And whoever gives you that first chance is like, you know, it's like got to you. That's why I will always write for a gov ball in New York because they were the first festival to truly, like, believe in me and give me a, a press pass, the coveted press pass to go shoot. That's and that just changed everything. Yeah, yeah. That first press did, pass, man. Ooh, oh, <laughs> dude, I, I almost cried. I was like, wow, just the first time I was let into a pit at a 
you know, major festival. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is, and, and even now to this day, like, it's incredible to me just to be up there, you know, right in front of the artists and you see all these fans that have been there waiting for hours and they're so grateful to be there. And I'm like, wow. And, and I'm, you know, this is my job right. to be here. It's like, it's, it's beautiful. Let's talk street photography for a bit. Uh, I know street photography is another passion of yours, something that you love. What is it that, you know, or what about street photography kind of brought you in or, or, or kind of got your attention? I think it goes back to the one, the, the paying attention thing and, and, you know, try to observe all these beautiful moments that happen in the day to day life of everyone. And then being, you know, so close to a city like New York, it's just it's, it's a perfect place to, to do street photography and to observe what goes on. And you learn so much from just watching people and so many stories are, are going around you at all times. Uh, also, I think just like studying philosophy and, and, you know, learning about people and emotions and psychology and all these things. And it just plays out in the street. So in such an interesting way. And also, so I lived uh, in West New York, you know, ever since I moved to New York. And for those that don't know, West New York is literally right across from New York City. It's like you, you take the ferry and you're here, West New York. It's like right across. I can see I can see it out my window right now. And growing up, you know, coming here and being a immigrant kid and, you know, my mom, of course, is super protective. And she's like, you can't go to New York. It's so dangerous over there. You, you can't, you, go, you know, and it, my mom is super overprotective. So she literally would just not let me go to New York. And I was a very obedient kid. <laughs> so I never really went over there much, you know, unless I, I went with my parents or whatever. And then I went to college. And then it wasn't until, like, I, I traveled somewhere. And like, oh, wow, you're so close to New York, you must love it. And I'm like, I don't really know much about it, honestly. <laughs> and it was kind of like after, you know, while I was in college that I started, I started producing and, and making music and I met someone online uh, that lives in Brooklyn. He's like, oh, I have a studio, just come and we can go like uh, crate digging, which is like, you know, going to look for vinyls to sample and stuff. And I would take the train to go from uh, Rutgers, which is where I went to school in, in Newark, to Brooklyn Park Slope and I remember back then Park Slope was still pretty you know it, it wasn't as safe <laughs> and I remember getting out I was like whoa this is this is crazy just walking around and you know getting the vinyls and, and going to studios and I was like whoa New York is kind of this is interesting and that was around the time that I was getting into photography so it became my way to kind of like I just made it my goal one year I was like I, I'm gonna truly see New York and experience it. So I would just bring my camera in there every day and just walk, 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 walk. So I, you know, I've walked all of Manhattan, all of, you know, Brooklyn. And I, I've walked through so many uh, spots in New York and still haven't walked at all, of course, but that kind of gave me an excuse to, you know, be more active with my street photography and fall in love with it. And then once you start to get serious with it and you look at the greats, uh, then it just changes your your whole mind frame. You're like, wow, look at these people capturing life in you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then, you know, they're historians. Right. Those that do it well, those are the ones that are going to make that legacy. And, you know, sometimes when I go out, it's like how I kind of think in a backwards mindset. I was like, how are my photos going to be viewed in maybe 20, 30 years? Like, what's going to be the cool thing? And, for example, one thing that a lot of photographers I know don't like 
taking pictures of is people on their phone because you know all the classic photos are like people walking around no phones and it looks so cool and now when you take a street photo half the time it's someone just looking down at their phone and for me i'm like well i think that's going to be super interesting in 50 years just capturing you know life as it is and people are gonna be wow look at these fools just glued to the screen 24 7 just walking around with this thing on in their face you know and Little things like that that you don't necessarily look cool now, but I think in the future they'll be super interesting. Right. No, I couldn't agree um, more. And I love, I mean, you can hate on it all you want, but it is what it is. Like, that's just kind of where we're at. That's our culture is we live in a very fast-paced, busy, busy, technology-based culture. And so... Uh, I think documenting, you know, documenting that type of stuff is really rad. Talking about walking and walking all over New York City, uh, I want to chat with you a little bit about photo walks. I know you've done lots of photo walks and uh, seem to enjoy doing photo walks. And so I'm curious, uh, first of all, for those at home that don't know, why don't you share what a photo walk is? Oh, man, a photo walk. So a photo walk is when just a bunch of creatives get together for the sake of creating whatever it is i don't think it necessarily has to be photos but i, I would say it's just when you know a, a bunch of and it doesn't even have to be quote-unquote creatives you know it could just be anyone it's just when a group of people get together to kind of just interact and, and share experiences and create new experiences uh you know these days mostly with cameras of course and you kind of set out with either a goal to, to shoot a specific kind of thing or, you know, you can have models and if you want to do portraiture or you, you can, you know, it could be themed, it could be not themed. But I think at the core, it's just, you know, people getting together for the sake of creating. And I think that's just a, a beautiful thing. And in our culture, when everything is, like I said, behind screens, it's really cool to, you know, get out of that and, and have person to person connections and create bonds in person. And the energy, I think, is the biggest difference is there's no comparison to someone DMing you on Instagram and then someone saying what up to you at a meet or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It, or it, Whether it's a two-person or 80, 100-person meet, there's something special about, I think, you know, just getting out into the world and meeting people in person. And I think uh, the photographers that are doing really well uh, and have made a name for themselves, I think a lot of them in the early days, they made it. Uh, a priority to actually face-to-face -face meet people and build relationships and not just do it through Instagram. Oh, for sure. Any Anytime anyone asks me, you know, like, how'd you get so many followers? That's the number one question I <laughs> ever get asked. And it was, when it goes back to it at the core, it was photo walks. It was the community. Like, I was just another street photographer in New York City. That was, you know, that we, we were by the handful at the time. Still are. And I think the one difference was you know, I, I kind of took initiative along with a, a bunch of friends in the community here to get people together more and, and, you know, explore what it was to be creative at the time and, you know, take photos and interact and, you know, do all these things. And I think once that people started catching on and to how cool it was, uh, I started growing more and more. And that's what kind of got the attention of from Instagram. And that's kind of how I grew, you know, to to have the followers that I have or the following or the audience. And um, my one my one thing is I know over the past few years, I haven't done it as much. And I feel like a lot of us have gotten super busy doing our own things and we haven't done it as much. And it's something that I've 
always kind of have in the back of my head is just because I remember how cool it was. And I have so many stories of people that like, you know, got married and they met at one of my photo walks or they're engaged now or like best friends or like all these other side collectives that came out of, you know, one of my photo walks and all these, you know, younger kids that at the time were like 14 or 15 coming to, you know, I remember one time I got a, uh, a DM. He's like, Hey, my mom won't let me come to the photo walk unless you come to my house and talk to her. And the kid was around here. It was like the next time over. I was like, and I was a teacher at the time. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go to your house and talk to your mom. <laughs> and I went had to explain to his mom why this like 20 something year old guy was going to take, you know, her teenage son out to New York to meet other people. And, you know, now the kid is like a photographer, full blown creative. And he it. always reminds me, he's like, oh man, I remember you came to see my mom at the photo walk. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, man. And uh, definitely always have it in my mind to, to plan more. One of my resolutions this year was to, to do that, just get more people together again. Dude, uh, please, more, please whether, do. Yeah, yeah. You're such a kind person, man. Uh, I've seen you, you know, do your thing. I was super bummed I didn't get to join your photo walk at Sony Kando. It looked like so much fun. Talk to me about that one specifically. You had like, didn't you have like all types of extra... My prop wagon. Yes. You had <laughs> mad props. Like it just looked like yeah. it looked just looked creative. Honestly, it looked like just very playful and fun and experimental, which I think is always so exciting. Yeah, no, that was really cool. So Sony asked me to put together some photo walks at Kando and they wanted it to be something kind of like off the bean path and, you know, things that people aren't really used to or that they haven't seen. So I was thinking of just ways to kind of like spice up your portrait photography and for me like I'm, I'm obsessed with the reflections and mirrors and all these like translucent you know visual effects that you can create in camera without the use of like photoshop uh so what i did is right before maybe like the day before flying to kendo i went to michael's the art store and i gave myself a budget and i was like you know what if i had like 40 i think it was like 40 50 dollars to just buy things that i think would make for a cool portrait like, what would that look like? And I literally just grabbed a bunch of random things of Michael's. And I was like, this might be cool. Yeah. This might be cool. Like, you know, lace fabric and little mirrors and big mirrors and string. And what I just had a, a plexiglass a sheet of glass. And, you know, all these random things. And I fit a lot of them in my briefcase and flew over and then when I got there they had like a prop thing and I was like I just started grabbing more random like wrapping paper and I put it all it's funny they gave me this wagon and they're like yeah your props don't fit anywhere else you can take one of these little wagons and I was rolling around Kendo with my <laughs> wagon full of props but it was really cool and you know getting people together and I, I kind of didn't have much direction aside from here here's a, a bunch of toys that you can get readily available and let's see what, what you come up with and man the, the portraits that people came up with during those walks i was i was amazed and it's always really cool to see like given the same tools what people you know do with them and right. there are things that i was like i would have never used this in this way and people were like throwing them up in the air and tying a rope around trees and it was just like you know things are like a, a thing of rope was like two dollars and the portraits were so cool and everyone was like wow i felt like, like you said it was like i felt like a kid again yeah. playing you know with with uh my portraiture 
and that was the goal of it. And I still get messages from people saying like, yeah, that was really cool. And send something with a mirror that they use. And uh, they were great. I ended up doing, I think, four of them. I originally was supposed to do two and ended up doing four. Because <laughs> they were popping, baby. Yeah, man. I miss my pop fighting. Um, <laughs> dude, yeah. I mean, obviously, photo walks are fantastic for photographers because it's a, to be honest, it's the most genuine way just to meet people, to to create and forge new friendships and the creative space. Uh, like you, I have similar stories. Everyone that I know that has attended meetups and photo walks and various types of events like this always talk about how they leave with, you know, they're still hanging out with those same, same cats. Like, yeah, those are my best mm -hmm. friends. Three years later, they're like, yeah. I'm still doing this with these guys or I'm still hanging out with those guys. Um, why do you think it's uh, or what benefit? So obviously there's a lot of benefit for, for photographers attending the photo walks. What are the benefits you think of like to, to kind of inspire more photographers to do their own photo walks? What's in it for them? I mean, aside from just how much you learn from being in an environment with so many creators, I think the energy is like unmatched when you're in a, in a place with all these people that have a common you know, a goal or a common interest and the conversations that happen are just so enlightening and so humbling. And you just gain so much insight from people that are, you know, have similar mindsets and are trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. And like I said, it's, it's the relationships that are made and, you know, the quote unquote networking, networking is always a, a weird word to me because it has that connotation of like, you're using someone. Right. It's not it's, authentic. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds weird. I'm here but, to connect with Silva so I can do X with him. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. how about we just become friends first? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, meeting people and being nice to them and being kind and creating these, like, relationships that, you know, in the future may be beneficial, may not. But just, I think, seeing different perspectives is important. And I guess more concretely, you're practicing your your photography and, and you're like interacting with all these other people and getting it out there. So you're creating content as much as I hate that word, but you are creating your, your art. You're practicing your art with all these other people that are doing the same thing. And I think that's important. The one thing is I, I the drawback is having to plan it, being the planner. <laughs> and I think that's what most people like having that responsibility to, to actually take initiative and put the foot forward and be like, all right, I'm planning this. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I think that's what people back. But honestly, after you do your, your first one, it's easier than it seems, you know, it's kind of just like pick a place, pick a time, tell people to go. And, you know, at first it might only be one person, two people. Like I've, I've had meetups that it was like me and two other people. And those were the coolest ones. Cause you get to really, Kick it. No, yeah, you get to know these people on a much more personal level, and a lot of people. Oh no, that many people didn't show up. And it's like, yeah, man, you get more quality out of the people that that do. And you know, if if they have a good time, you bet. Next time you do one, they're gonna tell their friends that you know, like, I went to this really cool thing, and they'll tell their friends, and they'll tell their friends, and you know, hopefully you can inspire some people. And I think that's the the most important thing. The biggest takeaway is if you can inspire anyone to put some good out into the world. That's, that's the payoff right there. Dude, I love that. And I think it's so important too. I mean, talk about donating time and, and, and open, bro, 
just taking the time out of your day to open your heart and dedicate yourself to a, a, another group of people outside of yourself that are in the same field of you. I think there's no better way to, to, to get karma points or, or, or good vibes for your, for what you do than to just give back to your space, yeah. give back to the people in your city, give back to, you know, whoever I think, I mean, I think there's so many awesome reasons on, on why people should want to host, you know, events. And yeah. like you said, they don't have to be some exotic, crazy thing. It's literally as simple <laughs> as being like, meet me at the bridge at five o'clock and bring a camera and that's it. Yeah. And just it. cruise. All it is. <laughs> um, yeah, what type of, what type of gear? Let's chat gear a little bit. Uh, what type of gear are you shooting with? What's your go-to setup? So right now I've been with both the A7R3, Sony A7R3, and the Sony A7 III. I have a nice little gamut of lenses that I've accrued over time, uh, depending on, you know, I, I love my prime lenses. That's usually my go-to, but every once in a while you got to bring, bring out the zooms, you know? And depending for music, like the 70 200 uh, 2.8 is like a must have. Like I usually have, you know, if I'm at a festival or shooting music and I have, I'm dual wielding both of them, 7200 stays on, on the one and then the other one, I kind of switch on and off with either 2470 or a prime or mess around. But those are my, my two go-to cameras pretty much right now. What about, what's a, what's, what's one really important piece of gear to you that most people maybe wouldn't think of like obviously everyone thinks of like the camera and the lens but honestly let's see for music i'm just in psa right here all my music photographers get yourself some earplugs that is one thing i can't tell you how many photographers i see in the pit with no protection and it just hurts me i'm just like oh man you are destroying your ears right now and it's, it's something very important to have as a music photographer. So true. Uh, otherwise, for me, yeah, for me, let's see, uh, gear-wise, I think it's always cool to have things uh, to kind of spice up your photos if, if you can. I always carry these little mirrors in, in my uh, camera bag, and, and they're, like, super small. You can get them for, like, 100 for, like, $10 on Amazon. Small little circular ones. But if you, like, put them in a specific way in front of your lens, it creates these really interesting, like double exposure, refraction things. And, you know, there are times where like I've had to shoot a portrait of a very famous person in like a corner somewhere that is really badly, you know, lit and it just looks terrible. And I just whip out the little mirror and do some tricks and it just comes out looking pretty cool. And it's always like a conversation started because people are like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like I've had, you know, uh, the one that I can remember was Sean Paul. I was like freaking out because I was shooting the Land Billboard Awards, uh -huh. and Sean Paul was walking by, and the you know the talent wrangler just grabs him and brings him. I'm like right here, right now. He's like, yeah, right now. Get this photo of Sean Paul. And I was like, okay. And I whipped out the little like mirror prism thing, and I'm shooting it. He's like, <laughs> he tells me I'm not even gonna try to recreate his accent, but it was amazing. He's like, hey man, what are you doing? What is this? Like, he was like, what is what is going on? And he was just much more like active and animated because he was like this guy's trying something different he's not just taking a photo he's doing something interesting here right. and for artists that's like you know they're curious so i showed him the photo he's like oh he's freaking out he'll like, grab this manager he's like get this guy's info like i love this and little things like that that just fit in your bag and you would never think to have uh aside from that i have like a bunch of little light cubes mm. you know 
things that just give you extra lighting whenever you need to. Like the Litras, the little Litra lights or the... Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of like that. I have a different one. Yeah, I have also like a, a Savage Ice Light that I, if I have space, nice. I'll bring in and shoot. And those, those things are lifesavers for me. Just like, you know, dark places and models and artists, they're so particular about lighting. Yeah. And sometimes the flash look is just not... Yeah, it's not appeasing. So having like a, an external light source that you can kind of like play somewhere and you know have one of the RGB ones too. Flash, Flash is interesting. How many people do you know that are doing like lots of flash photography work? Oh man, I know a few photographers that do it, you know, in an interesting way. I think, and I think it's also a matter of preference. Like some people love the classic flash look and look at, you know, their photographers that that's their whole style is shooting, you know, on camera, straight up, straight up flash. And if you make that your aesthetic, then sure, go for it. But um, people that are doing it in interesting ways, I, there aren't many. I, I did meet uh, a director not too long ago that uh, did a, a, a few studio shoots and did some really cool things with like long exposures and flash. And anytime I use flash, I like doing that, just like long exposure and moving it around and throwing and just doing weird, weird shit with it. Yeah. Let's chat Alpha Collective a little bit. So, What's it like being a part of the Alpha Collective family? And you've been in there and you've been in it for the beginning? Yeah, yeah. One of the OGs. OG? <laughs> one of the founding fathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for a while, since the beginning. I started working with Sony, I think in 2013, 2014. They had this little camera called the QX100. I have it somewhere. And it was a Zeiss lens. And... It had its own sensor. It was a 20 megapixel sensor. And you would connect it to your phone or a screen via Wi-Fi. And then your phone would act as a display for the camera. Mm-hmm. And then at like 1.8 Zeiss lens that so you can shoot 20 megapixel photos. And it would shoot the files right over to your phone. It was really cool. I, I don't know why they discontinued that. But I thought it was really cool. But anyhow, that was my first you know, job with Sony. I was shooting all mobile at the time. And they reached out to me to, you know, use it for a while and teach a class on it at the Sony store, the old Sony store. And I did it. I remember I, I put together a presentation and a Prezi presentation and everyone loved it. And then like packed house for the photo walk. And then we went out to the photo walk. People ended up buying, you know, a bunch of them. And Sony was like, whoa, this is cool. I think it was like the first time that really saw the potential of in-person meetups and, and things like that. And from there, I kind of developed a relationship with Sony. They were like, if you want to try out the A7R, I think, had just come out. If you want to try this A7R? And I was like, hey, man, I, you know, I got my camera gear pretty set up, but I'll give it a try. They sent it over, and, and man, I fell in love with it. Those things were 36 megapixels, I think, yeah. of that camera. But at the same time, it had its downfalls. And I remember, like, I used it for a month or two, and, like, I wrote them a whole bunch of things that I didn't like about the camera but oh, i think you can improve this and i think the the one amazing thing about sony is that they really listen to the creators and they, they're always open to feedback and you know they they want to make their cameras better i hear that from a lot of people yeah that was very important to me because i told them all these things i was like oh yeah like do you mind hopping on a call with like some engineers and i was like what he's like yeah yeah the people that make the camera they want to hear more like more more things that you don't like and i was like whoa this is this is kind of cool and, you know, kind of 
just worked on that relationship and you know fully switched over to sony and at the same time i was kind of just like nudging them like hey i see you have uh these artisans of imagery <laughs> you know like what what do i need to do to get there and they were like well you know those are the you know prize winning not geo gods and goddesses of the photography world they're like you'll get there eventually you know you just gotta work at it they've kind of give me the runaround mm. and i just kept pressing it and pressing it and pressing it and eventually this uh awesome awesome lady at sony won't say her name but uh she hit me up and she's like hey we have this idea for you know kind of like another sony uh crew uh, would you like to be part of it? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, you know, they'll be the the younger emerging photographers and, you know, all the people that are doing interesting things right now. And I, I was all in. I was like, yeah, let, let's do this. And, you know, that's where the collective came out of. And it's an honor. It's been incredible just seeing it grow from the original, I think it was eight or nine of us uh, that were in it, that first crew. And now it's up to like 80 or 90 people. And I just see anytime someone's added, I'm just like, oh, they keep getting better and better. Yeah. Everyone's such a crazy group of creatives and inspiring people. And I mean, the best part is, you know, when we all get together and, you know, the candles or the, the conferences or when everyone's together and you see like the magnitude of this crew and, you know, everyone's just talking. And now so many of us are friends and, you know, we've known each other for a few years and just seeing everyone's growth and what they're working on. And it's, it's inspiring. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. I love that. Uh, that's, that's awesome, man. It's exciting to see how excited everyone is about the collective that's in the collective, which I think speaks to just like the culture of the collective, which is dope. It's good to hear. It's, it makes me happy because, you know, there's a lot of brands. The space is obviously developing extremely fast. It's starting to uh, find its place or settle, I should say, a bit. But there's a lot of brands taking advantage of a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's nice to to have a good brand that takes care of people and looks out for people and, and is a proponent for community and, and all these great things. And so especially when no one else is doing it, which is pretty rad to just lead the charge. You know, it's easy to do it when all your peers, when, when every company is, is saying that's the way to do it, it's easy for every company to follow. But when none of the companies are doing it and they just decide to be bold and, and, and to do something like that, I think it's a rad thing. And I think it's paid off for them a lot. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a hit. That's a, the second question that I get asked. How can I be part of the collective? And you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, I always wonder how it looks from the outside looking in because you know, we know what it's like and we all say it and it's like, oh yeah, it's all about the community and, you know, like the people we meet. But, you know, unless you're there at these events, you like, that's where you see the magnitude of just like how much we've gotten along and how much we've learned from each other. And like, it's a really great support system to have, especially, you know, navigating the space with brands, like you said, trying to take advantage of each other. Um, it's good to have just a, a group of people that are kind of like in it together. And with the collective, I always tell people it's it's kind of like you get what you put into it, you know, like you could kind of be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm ripped by Sony and then just do your thing and never really do anything and not get much out of it. But if you show initiative and kind of like give feedback and, you know, work with them, they're, they're always there to 
listen to what you have to say. And I think, like I said, that's the most important thing. Just having someone that's at least willing to hear your ideas and, and see what you're doing and kind of like have someone that if you have a really cool project, they could be like, oh, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll help you out on this. Right. I want to talk. I want to talk life real quick because you're someone that I admire uh, as being just like a grounded, grounded, good, high vibrational being. So I'm curious, what are Silva's keys to a good life? Major keys, man. Major keys is don't stress over the little things. Don't stress at all. Uh, take care of your mental health. For me, exercise is huge. Like I, I, I can get in funks and anytime I do get in a funk, it's because I haven't like, you know, had that hormone release of like exercising and being in shape. And when you're not feeling well, health, you know, health wise, that kind of just impinges on everything else that you do. Um, consume art as much as you can, whether it's music, paintings, reading, you know, kind of just like if you really want to be a creative, I think that's the number one thing. Just consume art and you know, be be open to to being inspired by others, and don't see it as a not everything as a competition. You know, especially like in our society, everything can seem like a competition. And when you're scrolling, and it's like seeing what this person's doing and this person's doing, you're like, oh, you're like I'm not there yet. Like, no, get that out of your head. You know, it's it's together we can all achieve so much more. And I think you know, just keeping a balanced uh, lifestyle, you know, whatever that is for you. For me, it's, you know, working out, uh, you know, reading, meditating, you know, listening to music, just kind of like grounding myself, like you said, every day and, uh, not worry about the the future too much. I'm, I'm always, I think sometimes even too much. I'm one of those like live in the moment and be here now. Like, you know, been reading a lot of Ram Dass lately. Yeah. <laughs> like be here and really enjoy what's going on right now. Cause if you're too focused on the future, you know, you're, it's going to bring you anxiety because you know, you don't know what else going to happen. And if you're too focused on the past, you're going to get depressed. If you know, you're having shortcomings and it's just be here now. I love it. How do you stay authentic and true to yourself as an artist, especially as an artist on a platform like Instagram? How do I stay authentic? Yeah. Uh, I think you just have to like check yourself every once in a while. Like every once in a while, like I'll try to share something or like write something and then it's like, oh man, this seems like, feels like a humble brag or something, you know? I'm like, and I always try to just really, I guess, and maybe I'm a fall, but I, I, I double think I have too many filters for what goes out, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm, is it true? Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I just filter in a lot of the times I just, nothing ends up going out. Cause I'm just like, so undecided, but I think the, the end point is being authentic is, is what gets you anywhere, right? Like no one is a better you than you. And if you put that out there, the people that relate to it are going to, you know, interact or they're going to feel what you're saying. Whereas if you built a whole fake persona and, and you have all these supporters that are supporting like a fake version of you, that's just weird. Then you're just going to feel trapped into being a, you know, a fake you. Like that's, that just sounds terrible. Like one thing that I've always tried is just to be as genuine as possible and like be true to myself. And, you know, some people might like it, some people might not, but those that do, they're getting like the, you know, the real version of me. So I don't have to fake anything for anyone. And a lot of people, you know, one thing that I'll get is when I meet them, it's like, Oh yeah, you look so, relatable and you seem so you know 
genuine or, you know, like, I think I, I try to get my personality across as best I can social media while being an introvert. That's like, that's my challenge. It's like, I, a lot of times, like I have these periods where I'm like sharing everything I do for like a week or two and it, you know, it's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, oh man, I'm so happy. And I, it's crazy because you know, I see the, the feedback, like, you know, and you get a lot more engagement and then conversations start happening. And then there are times where I'm just like, oh no, too much, too much. I'm, I'm overexposed. To <laughs> 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 use a, a crypto term, I'm overexposed here. And then I just like go silent for a few weeks. You know? And it's, again, it's all about the balance. Right. So, I can relate to that heavily. Um, I, I I think I do a good job of representing my personality on social media accurately as how I am in person. Uh, yeah. But, oh yeah, you do a really good job. I, man, <laughs> you do those daily, like, everybody go, let's get it. Feel the, and like, oh I man, been, I been, go after looking at your stories. I'm like, yeah, how does he do it? I got to get oh, more fuck. active again. I haven't been as active, bro. I get weird sometimes. Like, I feel like, I'm doing, I, I, I feel like I dis, I see a lot of non disingenuine people doing things like that. And so sometimes exactly. I feel bad doing it, even though it is genuine. I just don't want to be yep. in that bucket. Like I just don't even wow. want to be affiliated with those. Wow. Dude, you just but, but then I get it, text right? messages and DMS and they're like, Hey man, we miss wisdom from the wheel or we miss you just like, yeah, yeah. and so I'm like, ah, okay. Okay. Like. I, like I'm doing it for you guys and that's all that should matter. So I don't need to worry yeah. about being compared to these other people. But at the same time, I'm like you, I am, I'm very introverted too. And I love being around people and, and, and communicating with people. But at the same time, like I, once I reach my plateau, I disappear. Like you won't, oh, I won't yeah. answer your DMS. I'll DM you two weeks later. I will text you back <laughs> in a month, but I disappear and I'm in my cave and I need to like, just do me. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta do it, man. It's a balance. It's all about balance. And you oh, hit it right in the head with that. I'm like, I, I see people that I feel are, are doing it for a specific reason and they're disingenuous. And I'm like, I don't ever want to be seen as someone that's not genuine. And even if it's coming from a true place, I'm like, yeah. I don't, that filter stops it right at the end. I was like, oh, man, what if someone thinks I'm not doing it for that? You know, <laughs> even though I am. Hold and on. I just, I, I got another AI thing. I got another AI thing. The AI filter for bullshit on social oh, media tell me that going <laughs> based on your 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 voice and how you sound <laughs> you are full of shit <laughs> and load up all the lie detection algorithms all the blind hunter things and interrogations and body language thing and like oh your left eye looked up at this angle and that means you're bullshit you're like there was a bird i swear <laughs> that wasn't mine <laughs> <laughs> AI just ruins the world, man. Let's talk about New York City real quick. New York City is a beautiful place. It's the Mecca. Anywhere you go in the world, man, everyone knows New York City. If people haven't been, they want to go, right? And so what's it like being a photographer in New York City? What's the culture like? And there's a lot of young people in our community that wish they could be in New York City. And what advice would you have for someone that, you know, wants to move to the big city and give it a shot? Let's see. I mean, yeah, New York is is it, man. It, I always tell everyone, I don't think I could ever move away from this area. Like, I'll have places somewhere else, but this is always going to be home base. You know, it's just a it's a different energy here from anywhere else that I've been to in the world, and it's just 
being surrounded by so many different types of people and it's such a crazy melting pot of personalities and talent and you know all the things going on are in new york so it's for sure very grateful to have kind of landed here you know because it's one of the things that you said if you're somewhere else coming to new york seems like such a huge undertaking you know and a, and a big challenge and i was lucky enough to when i came from venezuela we kind of just landed in this little town that just happens to be right across from new york and we got used to you know hustling and working to make it work here and be able to survive here so now that's all i know you know whereas someone that isn't from here and it's somewhere where you know the cost of life is much cheaper that seems like a crazy challenge to come and be like well how do i make enough money to survive here mm-hmm. and to that i say i mean obviously don't come without a plan uh but at the same time i'm kind of one of those just like you you'll figure it out if you have it in you like you'll figure it out and the one thing about new york is there's opportunity if you have the the right talent you know the right mindset i think opportunity is everywhere especially as a creative you know and you know even more so in today's society with social media, like all you need to do is make the right kinds of art. And, you know, if it's genuine and if it's, you're striking at the right things then it's going to resonate, you know, yep. and they'll have like no followers anywhere and they'll put something on Twitter and it'll, you know, it'll go viral and their life has changed, but it's because they made the right piece of art at the right time where they said the right thing at the right time, right. you know, it's working on that first. And if you think, you have the mentality for it and the mental fortitude for it. It's not going to be easy, but you know, if you have it in you, you'll make it happen. Uh, And New York is just full of opportunity and full of people that are willing to help. I think the biggest misconception about New York is that they're rude. If anything, I think New Yorkers are the kindest people. I, you know, anytime I truly needed help and I'm in New York, like people are just down to help you. Um, and I think that's that's been shown, you know, over the past years. Anytime there's any sort of strife, like New York just comes together, you know. And it's like, yes, everyone has their own agenda and everyone's minding their business, but when they see that you truly need help, like they'll they'll band together to help you out. Right, I love that. So, Joe Budden, I, I see you, <laughs> Joey. Joey, I see you. I see you, bro. I see you. I see you. I see you. What's good with you and Joe Budden? What you guys working on? Man, Joe, Joe is crazy, dude. Joe, so he's, you know, from Jersey City, which is kind of like two towns over, maybe like 15 minutes or, from where I grew up. And growing up, you know, once I started to get into hip hop and, and that culture, you know, I, I was listening to all these rappers from New York and, you know, West Coast and everywhere, but I didn't know many New Jersey rappers. And I found out, I found out Tretch from Naughty by Nature. He actually lived here in West New York for a little while used to play basketball with him but I was like 13, 14 this dude was like Jack don't come to the court I was like ooh that's a skip dude I'm not I'm not messing with him and the other one was Redman Redman was from uh, Newark Brick City and he's super dope but like at the time again I was growing up and Newark was like as foreign to me as another state like I don't know I knew it was in Jersey but I had never been there and then you know when I started really getting into it in high school started seeing this cat on the on the mixtape circuit joe budden talking about jersey city i'm like oh jersey city i've been there this is cool and then you know i remember he had one song and he was like oh doing 100 on kennedy 
And that's like this boulevard that passes right by me. I was like, ah, he's rapping about like the streets by me. Like, this is cool. You know, it's like the one, the first type that I had like our area being represented. So I became a fan of his. And at the time I was just like downloading all the mixtapes, man. I was like on every hip hop blog. I was one of those like computer nerd kids, just like pirating everything. I used to get every mixtape release, every DJ clue, <laughs> every, but like, every mixtape you could think of. I was getting the various it. artists two gig oh. torrent files yeah, yeah. dude <laughs> ask me how many dipset mixtapes i have bro i have 60 something volumes just on the dipset no i had a crew in high school called ground zero literally we oh. love dipset bro <laughs> they landed, oh man those beats heat makers oh, dude. but yeah so, so joe i kind of followed his career path and then you know he was kind of like always the outcast outspoken just very you know writing about very personal stuff and you know his album came out he got blackballed for being too outspoken <laughs> and he kind of found this other life uh making all these other independent mixtapes you know instead of the mood music series and when mood music came out that i was in college and i was going through some stuff like you know at all sick people in my family my father was sick we were super broke like trying to you know stay afloat in college and you know first generation immigrant it was the roughest times of my life and his music on that moon music series was just like it got me through so much and he was just like rapping about pain and just super personal personal things and i was like whoa like i feel like that's when he transcended to another level and that's when he got the cult following that got him to where he is now like for a lot of people they just know him as the pump it up guy right. you know the, how does this guy still have fans and it's all this huge group of people who he helped through the mood music series and just from being so genuine online like he used to have these uh the joe budden forums right joe budden tv and he was one of the first rappers to truly like blog and like you know show his personal life yeah. in like 2005 2006 like you would see exactly what he was doing he would be on the message boards people would be interacting with him so he created this really like tight-knit community of uh fans and he called them the internet internet soldiers internet soldiers <laughs> and so i always kind of like followed him and i respected that and i remember for one of his albums, I don't even know if he knows this, but like I was on the street team for the Padded Room album. And I was out here like handing out flyers. And, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he became like my favorite rapper at the time just because he got me through so much stuff, man. He was like my therapist. Yep. And got into photography. I had a, a group of friends from my high school that started this hip hop blog called uh, Goodfellow Media. Shout out AR and Justin and Delgis and the whole crew. And he knew that I was getting into photography and he was like, Hey man, like I'll give you passes to all these hip hop events. Just take photos for us. And I was like, what? You know, that was like the first time that someone really gave me an opportunity to shoot music. I was, I was literally just starting out. I, I had bought my first DSLR in 2008, maybe. And I started to go into all these hip hop shows. And I, you know, obviously anytime Joe had a show, I was like, I, I gotta be there. Give me the, the press pass for Joe shows. And I started just, you know, shooting the, the photos at his shows and then sending them on Twitter, on the message board. I'm like, here's tonight's photos, tonight's photos. And I guess eventually he started noticing that it was the same guy sending over the same, you know, the photos. And um, asked him a question at a Q&A. He's like, 
aren't you the guy that takes all these the photos at my shows i'm like oh yeah yeah, it's me and you know kind of like created that connection from there and a few years later he threw this epic pool party at his house and i hit him up i was like oh you might want a photographer there and he's like he hit me back on Twitter in the DM. He was like, all right, I'll give you my address. But if you tell anyone else, I'll kill you. I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there by myself, sir. <laughs> oh, man, and I made it to this pool party and, you know, met him in person. And we got to kind of like chop it up and kick it. And he was like, hey, man, if you want to like come around and just document what I do for this summer, like, let's do it. And from there, you know, kind of just got to know him a little better. And he got used to me, to me being around with a camera. Uh, and him being a hundred percent his unhinged self, you know, to the point where he'd be mad and I'd be like stepping out, like, all right, I guess I'll get out now. He's like, no, Silva, you stay. <laughs> I'm sure that's. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess you know. Uh, but now it's been you know like over ten years, and now we're we're just friends now. It's it's really cool because I've shot so many of his like important life events, and you know, I know his mom and his kids and his family like i'm cool with all of them so now it's much more of a personal relationship so it's really cool and this renaissance of his coming back into becoming a whole kind of media mogul has been super cool to watch i've never seen him this happy so that's dope i mean his podcast is killing it he's the number one i think it's the number one on spotify just just coasting bro yeah, wow. man, and those guys are those guys are great. It's funny because when you when I hang out with them outside of the podcast, it's they're just so funny together. Like it's just constant laughs, and it's just the chemistry that they have amongst all of them. You know, Park Small and Rory. It's it's really cool to see. Bro, that, so, it's that authenticity we were talking about earlier, yeah. and I think any any form of media where you're just being authentic and you have something to communicate and you got a you know a cool point of view, like people want to listen. Oh, absolutely. That's the one takeaway from Joe. He is 100% Joe at yeah. all times. He's so never it's easy, not Joe. It's easy for him to do it, too. He's not pretending. <laughs> so it's Either not like you'll he's, love him or you'll hate him. He's not having mental collapses because he's trying to pretend to be someone he's not for the last few years. He's just being himself, which is pretty easy to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to yeah. be in media and not be yourself, no matter what you do, whether you're a personality, a, a actor. It's It just. Be I don't know how anyone does it. Yeah, I don't know how. It's it's that seems so stressful to not be authentic. That sounds yeah. I don't want any part of that. Life's rough enough. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously. <laughs> remember all these lies and misconceptions <laughs> about who you are that you should really not like. What? No, that's crazy. Let's talk tech for a little bit before we before we wrap this up. So, what do you what do you think's next in technology? I think. AR and VR are going to be huge for sure. And what applications for VR? I'm not a big proponent of VR, so I'm curious on what you think. Yeah. I mean, I think VR is great in like the educational aspect, like in uh, teaching people how to do things like how to change Mm -hmm. oil in a car, or I think putting a desk together, I think there's really strong applications for it. But outside of that, I, I don't. I mean, I think that's just the beginning. Like the fact that that is already an application of learning and having teachable things yeah. in VR is enough. Uh, it's going to be creepy to see how good it gets. I saw someone sent me a link to this uh, suspended. Oh man, how do I explain this? This is going to be tough. So it was like a suspended light uh, contraption thing, right? And it was like shooting lights 
light and sound into this concentrated source. Mm -hmm. And the way it was shooting at it, it would create these like protections that you could touch and feel with your with your fingers so you could see something like a butterfly was being projected right on this little box thing and then when you would touch it you, you would like feel the flutter of it and it was all the lights the combination of the lights and the sound vibrations that's right? crazy and that's it's very very beginning but they were saying like if it, if that gets bigger it'll be good enough to project like people and it'll be like actual those like holographic projections that you see in like star wars for example mm. right seeing like you know how obi-wan came as a projection and you see him right. so it's like that but you'd be able to touch and feel you know what what the person feels like so if you have vr and you have these projections and you can literally interact with people all around the world and like family members and just like have them in the same room you know through these weird light projections and vr right. so that's crazy that. they had some stuff like that at ces yeah ces is where you see all that kind of wild it wasn't to that extent but it was like it was in-store advertising and so uh which is dude it's it was obnoxious to be honest it was (laughs) like it was like having like a sign in your store being like sale over here or but it was like a holograph it was like you know like it was like holographic and so basically just ways for people to serve ads up to you personally while you're in a store and things like that and which it's just going to be more stuff in our face. <laughs> oh, for sure. Man, the future is weird. Uh, AR, though. Yeah. AR. I'm huge on AR. AR. VR, mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to disappear. I, I have a hard time being in the goggles for too long. Oh, and yeah. so I think for education, I think it transforms the way that people learn. And I think that's going to be huge for, for our culture and society. But AR, bro, being able to have, you know, contacts in or or sunglasses and to be able to engage with the world in, in completely different ways and have all these tools at your disposal, I think that's that's a game changer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think it's going to be huge. So I think along with those two, obviously blockchain, I think it's going to revolutionize a lot of industries. Uh, I think the IoT, Internet of Things, is going to be interesting to look at, to have everything connected on a grid. I'm not, anytime I think about that too much, I just get spooked out, but... They're working on it, man. More and more connectivity everywhere. Bro, do you ever worry about privacy? Like, I'm sure I, I'm sure it doesn't keep you up at night, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, do you ever just take a moment and really think about it? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, it's almost impossible. you got to be Edward Snowden at this point. He's the only person that has any semblance of privacy <laughs> online, maybe. <laughs> Aside from that, dude, they have our faces, they have our fingerprints, they have every you know search you've ever searched in your whole life on you know uh, up until from the internet to now it's it's crazy when you think about it i try not to to bog myself down too much and i'm like as long as i'm not doing anything wrong i hope to be okay <laughs> but uh, that's probably not the mentality to have doesn't that scare you though like i mean a you know, you have these companies that have these massive, you know, like Cambridge Analytica that have these portfolios of data on us that they won't even allow us to see. So curious to see, like, in the near future, like what that like data is the world's most sought after resource. It's the most expensive yeah. asset in the world. It surpassed oil, you know, yeah. and so it's it's it's, it's kind of like I don't think that I fear necessarily people having my like 
you know, we've been using apps and the internet and fingerprint scanners and, and, and all these things for, for years. And so they already have so much data on us anyways. I think what worries me is like people and like the wrong, if the wrong person were to get into power and wanted to target a certain subset of, of, of people mm -hmm. or people that have certain beliefs or people that stand for something or challenge, you know, their viewpoint. Like, I think it's a really easy way to target people. And that's what's that I guess that's what's scary <laughs> about it to me. And yeah, and man, if that falls into the wrong hands and just cybersecurity and you know, like when the stuff was happening with Iran at the beginning of the year, that was the biggest concern that people like we're probably not gonna get bombed, but they will hack a bunch of stuff and that's that's the biggest threat is you know shutting down all these infrastructures that we rely on on our day to day. And the more connected we are and more subservient we are to technology you know the bigger the risk when what happens when that goes down right. scary time did you see the the article there were people in china who were getting fined for wearing pajamas outside and they were finding them through facial recognition so they were getting like the police f found them through the facial recognition and they apparently people were wearing pajamas outside because you know they wanted to be comfortable i guess and they were getting fined for like not having you know decency or public you know not acting in an honorable way in public and they were found through facial recognition uh, and that's how they were matched to the profile so i was like oh that's scary well, that, that is scary like at that point it's like i mean at that point it's like i might as well wear a mask out in public like mm -hmm. you know like why <laughs> But yeah, oh man, when the, the protests in Hong Kong with those masks that would block the facial recognition and the lasers, and yeah. like that's that's the future right there. I mean, let's hope it doesn't get to that, dude. I know everywhere else, but uh, yeah, let's hope it gets better. <laughs> what do you think about Instagram, bro? Like, I mean, obviously, you're gonna continue to stay on the platform, but how do you feel about it? Do you, I mean, is IGTV is that is that something that's do you see that work and do you see that popping off? Do people, do you think people are engaging with it? Do you think uh, Instagram's still relevant? Do you think, you know, what do you, what do you feel about Instagram right now? I think it's still relevant in the grand scheme of things. And it's one of those like too big to fail for, sure. uh, for now, but you know, like mighty social media platforms have, have fallen in the past. Uh, obviously having Facebook back in it is, is huge. I think it's not as, I mean, and it's a, again, it's a personal thing because everyone For uses sure. it differently. And like photographers or maybe what, two, three, one, two or 3% of the people using Instagram, right? So I'm only speaking for how I see it for photographers. I don't think it's uh, as exciting as it was when it first started out. Cause when it you know, first started out, everyone was kind of like figuring out what, to put on there what kind of art to create and you know i think the energy was a lot different especially with like meetups and photo walks and i was creating all these like real life interactions i think that has kind of like gone by the wayside a little bit unfortunately and i think now that there's a, a rubric for like how to succeed on different social media platforms that's what people are like gravitating to because people are like all right this guy's making all his money, you know, doing travel videos and, and or doing blogs. And, you know, people just kind of like start gravitating towards what's popular. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. Uh, but for me, it's kind of like figuring out how can I do something new? And that's why I haven't been as active on there. And it's also like once you start using it as a portfolio, as a lot of us do, it's like, you know, 
I get approached for work more through Instagram than anything else. So now it is a portfolio. So I'm not going to share a lot of like daily day-to-day things that I want to share because now it's a portfolio, you know, it's like, it's a lot more serious in a way, but maybe it shouldn't be like that. Maybe I like when it was just more, you know, genuine, like, Oh yeah, here's a picture of my little brother coming out of school today. And you know, those kinds of things. Let me ask you this though, just to play devil's advocate on that. Do you think it's more like a personal thing? Like it's like a, it's a personal pressure that we put on that we say, Oh, it's my portfolio. So I can't, and and it's easy to justify why you shouldn't be sharing photos of your little brother. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, like oh, it doesn't matter. People, you know, you know, I, I I would imagine that your, one of your clients isn't gonna be like, oh my gosh, Silva just posted his, his <laughs> you know his little yeah. brother. Drop him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm but also like but I was scrolling through like the back of my feed, like through the first days, and I was like, I found yeah. a really cool picture of my little brother coming out of school that I took, and I was like, damn. I like these are the moments that I really care about. You know? Yeah, but I I do that. I do the same thing though. Yeah. And I think it is 100% like a personal pressure that, you know, you put on yourself. And I'm always like, like I said, I'm always like weary of being overexposed. Right. And like, I don't, I have that mentality of like, Oh, are people sick of me? Like if they see a photo from me every day or they're just like, all right, enough, dude. Like, I don't want to see <laughs> whatever you're doing every single day, you know? So I'm always like, let me give them a break and then, you know, I'll kick it into gear. So I think it's for sure. A, a personal experience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to change that, and I, and I do want to just share different things. And I think I've always been such a like go against the grain and go against the norm type of person. I'm, I'm so anti. Kicking it back to the Joe Budden reference, and his yeah. song called "Anti," and that is me to the T. I'm just like, if someone does something, I'm like, no, I gotta go the other way. I like, I don't want to do what everyone's doing, you know. Like, I, I want to be unique in my own way. I don't want to follow any rubrics for anything. And trying to figure that out has been what I've been doing lately, and yeah. why I'm as active as I used to be, and haven't been like as outgoing and you know participating in as many community things is figuring out the next step. And like I said, I think IGTV is interesting. I don't think it's, uh, it hasn't had the effect that I think IG would, would like for it to have yet. Uh, and I haven't seen like, there are a few people that are, are doing things on there that I'm like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, okay, this is cool. But I haven't seen many. I don't think it's reached its potential. And I mean, having YouTube, you know, as a competitor, it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> it just tends to do both fully, you know, like I haven't seen anyone fully committed to just IGTV. Uh, uh, I have a few ideas. I have a few things that I'm currently planning for that I want to do on IGTV. And I feel like Instagram today, you have to take advantage of everything in the app. Like it's not just photos anymore. Like it used to be just, yeah, posts. That, that was the only thing. Yeah. Now you have posts. Now you have stories. You have IG Live. Now you have IGTV. Yeah. You have to kind of like work all the facets of the app to connect to people. And you do. I think uh, with the, what's the elephant in the room is the, the algorithm. Right. And a lot of people just get bogged down into, you know, the numbers game. And I think it's more about the connection game. And it's like not how many people you reach, but who you, you know, who you can inspire that you reach intentionally and, you know, the quality followers, right. and, you know, you the thousand true fans, man, that's the realest right there, rather than going after the masses and 
like you, I agree. Like IGTV, I think it's, it's getting there. Uh, we've been obviously spending a lot more time developing various IGTV series and content and, uh, trying to leverage the platform more this year is a big year for us to, to, to try to produce a lot more content and, and try to utilize Instagram in its entirety, you know, and, and, and be experimental with some of its newest, newer features and, and things like that. But what do you think about the rest of the space? Like, where do you see things, you know, so TikToks, you know, TikTok's a new thing, right? And everyone's like, TikTok. First of all, everyone says this every time, right? And and you had Day Flash and 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 mm-hmm. you know, some of these these other applications as as well. And TikTok's the newest and 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 it's a fierce platform, you know. It's a lot of I know I personally enjoy getting on there every now and again and just watching videos. I find it super entertaining. I love um, and it. I laugh. Like Instagram, I do this when I I'm not like laughing very rarely. I'm just kind of like looking through. I get on TikTok and I'm I'm hysterical. Yeah. You know, and I, I love, love that. And I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a super exciting platform and it's a different kind of creativity. And it feels a lot more genuine like going back to that. It feels like people a lot of times just being themselves, doing kind of just like silly things. Uh, but also like, I think there's a lot of really cool art on there, you know, and it's like, the thing about TikTok is the, once again, the algorithm on there is really good at figuring out what you like pretty fast. Like the first time you download it, it's all teenagers dancing, right? It's all like teenagers dancing and you're like, all right, what the hell is this? But then if you start clicking on like not interested, not interested on your feed, not interested, and then you only really like the things that, you know, appeal to you pretty fast, the thing changes and you start getting shown, you know, the things that are of interest to you so for me it's been like a lot of really cool art tutorials and like drawing and painting and you know music creation and like magic and then you know obviously funny things that i see and so now when i scroll through my explore page on there it's like a very well curated you know string of things that i enjoy right and for me again it's that self-doubt of like oh man is it good enough it's a you know and I, I've put a, a few things on there, but it's been like more silly, you know, kind of like dumb things, but it's like a lot more genuine to myself than what I see. And then everyone like I, I've subscribed to newsletters and, you know, like I'm always just like looking and studying all the social media platforms and what works and what doesn't and just being prepared to, you know, see where they're going next. And uh, some guy that has a newsletter will say, dude, just do like photography behind the scenes videos and put it to this song and you'll like pop off in no time, you know? And then it's true. Anyone, <laughs> all of my friends, all of my friends that are doing that and are doing like behind the scenes with like things that are, you know, things that we've known for years now. It's like, Oh, how do I depth through your photo? Hide behind this and shoot at a wide aperture and blah, blah, blah. And then you put a song behind it, put your photos and those things go off uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views. And it's cool, but for me, it's like, uh, that's what every photographer is doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I haven't put anything on there, because I'm trying to figure out how I can make that more unique and not just following well, the formula. Well, bro, you want the substance, right? Because what I think what happens is, and it's kind of a scary trap to get caught in, people do stuff like that, right? So it's really cool, and they get lots of views, maybe lots of followers, and let's just say they pop off, right? They blow up real quick. What happens is they, they end up realizing that that stuff is oftentimes just like low value. Mm -hmm. And so there's not really much value created from it. It's like, yeah, you got a lot of views, people watched it, but there's not, where do you take this? You know, 
yeah. people aren't going to pay you to learn that stuff. They're not going to do. And so oftentimes, you know, I've seen a lot of people blow up on social media that didn't capture any value because they just yeah. didn't have yeah. any substance in the, they didn't stand for anything in the first place. Yeah. It's just numbers to them. And like you said, it doesn't like, I think different companies, not all of them, some companies are just in it for the numbers and they just want like a shout out. Right. Uh, whereas others see the true talent or the true value that you bring into things. And like, you know, for me, I used to get a lot of work of people that just wanted me to post for them just because I had, crazy numbers a few years ago and now my engagement has gone like way down but it's fine like i'm as busy as ever because now the companies that i do work for see that there's more value than just numbers right damn i don't know what the hell i was just gonna say i had something something give like TikTok or social media or tick it was a tiktok deal um but nonetheless bro i uh I appreciate you. It's probably just me needing to eat some fucking lunch. <laughs> Been up since 4 a.m. I haven't <laughs> eaten anything. <laughs> oh, dude, but, uh, bro, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Silva. We normally end the podcast with our guest being you today, leaving the AOV community with some beautiful words of inspiration. So whenever you're ready, my man, feel free to, to bless us with some some beautiful words. Oh, gosh, the pressure. I'm just going to encapsulate what I've said so far. And it's, you know, seek balance in your life. Take care of your mental health first. Consume art. Meditate. 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 It helps. It's a daunting task. It's difficult at first. Uh, you know, the more you do it, the better it feels. And, you know, kind of it gets the clutter out of your mind. Uh, be grateful. Be grateful to be here, to have your loved ones around you, if you have loved ones, to be able to exercise your creativity in any way, to have freedom of expression. A lot of people don't have that. And I think once you, you know, start every day with that mindset, uh, you'll start to see the path a little clearer and pay attention, lift, what's it called? Lift the veil of thought. Right. Get outside your own head and just really pay attention to what's going on around you. And you'll pick up so much more and, you know, be in the moment. Like, don't be staring at your phone while you're having a conversation with your friends. Like, you know, be there. If you're with a group of people that you care about, be there with them and talk to them and get to know them. And, you know, put down the phone for a little while and just just be. Ladies and gentlemen, Jose Silva, that's J-N-S-I-L-V-A on Instagram. Make sure to follow your boy. Make sure to hit him up. If you guys got a question, hit him on the gram. Other than that, appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the AOV podcast. I am your host, Prince. Make sure to subscribe, follow, share the podcast, let everyone know, and stay tuned until next time. Cheers. <laughs>